Uh, once a year, I like the practice, and I, I, this, this will be my first of hopefully many. Uh, this, uh, once a year, it's nice for a community to get together and kind of have a family meeting of sorts. Uh, a, a chance to reflect on what the year has been for the community and just some senses of what's coming ahead. And so, the, yeah, this, this will be an unusual type of message uh, where I'll, I'll begin with lots of reflection on the year's past. And it's all, I've got a lot of pictures here, so it's like, it's like you may be sitting in on a family slideshow today. <laughs> Exciting, right? Uh, and then we'll get to some scriptures this morning, some, of, uh, some scriptures from the New Testament, which uh, I sense will be helpful as we think about what we've been through and where we're going. Uh, I thought I'd begin with just, this is, this is about my first year here in Thunder Bay, first year as a pastor of Grassroots, and so I thought I'd, I'd start with a few reflections on what were the highlights of my year here in Thunder Bay. So we start with this picture, if we can get this thing rolling. Okay. Here we are. You know what that is? They're so cute, aren't they? I met these chickens about six months later, and they call it processing. (laughs) It's a nice word for what it was. But uh, yeah, this begins the highlights of my my first year here. I got to process chickens last year for the first time out on a, out on a piece of land uh, here uh, in Thunder Bay, and it was quite the experience, and I've never thought of my chickens the same again. So there's this, and let's see, the next thing here, snowshoeing. Hey, just a little aside here to the, the, the PowerPoint. This isn't working. Is it clicked on the actual? Okay. It is. All right. So I got a, a chance to go snowshoeing uh, as well. And, you know, I think about glorious days like this, nice warm days here in Thunder Bay. And there's been a handful of them in June. June started off with a great number of nice blue skies, warm days. I'll, if I could have like five or six of those in a year, I'll take this for the rest. I mean, it's glorious days. But this was amazing. I had a chance to go snowshoeing through, the, uh, through some backcountry. Um, Looks like we're going to have to go together on this one today, Brad. Uh, so next slide. Just the wildlife here is just absolutely stunning. And I get, this is just outside of my, uh, my office there. So if you come around, stick around grassroots for a while, you're going to see uh, a, few, a bit of wildlife. And I just love the wildlife out here. So next, uh, last, um, last year I was able to uh, speak at a a solidarity rally at the local mosque after the, the horrible shootings in Quebec. And that was a great honor for me to get to speak to uh, about a crowd of 100 pe- or 400 people. I think there's three to 400 people that came out to express solidarity with the local Muslim community. And uh, this church had cre- created a, a relationship before I got here with the masjid. And it was a, uh, a beautiful thing. I was the only uh, pastor Christian asked to speak at this. And it was a great highlight to be able to stand with... Um, brothers and sisters uh, that you were out there in the community, and then with the Muslim community, uh, a group of people that uh, for, in many ways, and then especially during that time, were feeling very vulnerable. And uh, the, the great message that I heard from the imam was, uh, what, what is the greatest witness to us are those people who are willing to stand up with us and for us, and to say, if we are targets if, or if you are targets in, in or have felt uh, targets in your community, we'll stand with you in that target. So um, I don't know, that was a great, great privilege to, uh, to speak at that. And then the final one here 
is baptisms. We baptized eight people last August, eight uh, folks down at Trowbridge, and that stands out to me as a great, great highlight. So we'll leave this picture up for a little bit here. As um, you know, I think about the, the, the last year and all that, all that the community has been through, uh, to, let alone uh, anything else, uh, it, to have a new pastor, to come in and have a new pastor in your community, there's so many uncertainties that go with that from my end, from your end. Is this going to work out? Is this going to, is there going to be a match? And so, yeah, we've made it through all of those first uncertainties. And someone yesterday noticed that we have Ontario plates. And was like, yes, you're staying. <laughs> and I said, yes, that's the plan, you know. So, uh, yes, we are staying. And um, so, uh, well done making it through the first year. Uh, but yes, as, as I reflect through and, and, and think through the various number of things, we'll go through a lot of, of pictures here in a minute, but yeah, just the thing that obviously stands out is this community has weathered a number of crises and, um, as a community, and the care and response that I saw, that I witnessed in this community la this last year was unprecedented. I had no idea that a small community would be able to weather so many hardships and come together in a beautiful way. So we're talking about meals for one another, chopping wood, shoveling basements filled with black water. There's another nice word, black water. <laughs> Yard work days, childcare, swapping uh, with children to help out where needed, helping people move, prayers, crying together over loss, uh, celebrating and championing the good work of other, other organizations. And then this picture here, uh, just uh, kind of this next one captures it, freezer meals. So there was a day that uh, a number of folks in the community got together and made 70 freezer meals in one, one afternoon for those in need. So just this... Um, this uh, idea of us coming together as a community in very, very difficult circumstances has been a beautiful thing to, to remember and witness. And, and the next things that I, I think about and I'll talk about are um, uh, things that, that have to do with grassroots' love for learning, grassroots' love for uh, discipleship. And so we hear, here's a picture of uh, an adult life group happening uh, that runs in the, on Sunday mornings at 9.30 in the, in the year we just finished up a great, great couple series. So it's adult life group. Um, there's various men's and women's studies that happened this year. Uh, book studies, men's groups, the men, uh, the men and women had a couple different times together in retreat. Uh, that was beautiful. Uh, I think about the next picture here. The grassroots youth group had a great year, it seems, and uh, that started off really well. And when they went to Planet Wisdom down in... Um, that in Minnesota, a big conference, a big youth ministry conference, which was, which was awesome, and ended the year with a youth lock-in. And you didn't know it last week, but they had, the youth had spent the night here overnight and cleaned up and put the church back together. So lovely, so well done. Um, so lots, lots of great things happened there. The children's ministry was strong this year. We uh, did Sunday school and began uh, this thing called Roots and Shoots uh, that was it's more of a hybrid a worship experience for kids where there's some learning, some creative response time, uh, which was, was, was great. I think it continued on with the tradition of grassroots young people learning the story of God in a way that isn't quite like a classroom, but more like an experience, a true experience. And so here's a few pictures of, of the kids back uh, getting together. Um, and then Sunday morning messages, uh, you know, we talked through the Exodus generation this year quite a bit, um, talked through devotion to Jesus in the midst of, um, in the midst of the Christmas time, 
So there's a picture. Uh, oh, here's another kid. The next picture up here is the one of, uh, yeah, that's where, I think that's where I told the kids they weren't getting Christmas presents this year. <laughs> I think I won't do that next year. <laughs> and then, then there was the uh, Charlie Brown Christmas tree, which was lovely. It's great. Uh, and so there's lots of learning. We did lots of learning this year and lots of devoting ourselves to the scriptures and to learning. And uh, then this next category of things are, were kind of one-offs, things that, events that happened that were just lovely events. This was the, go, go back one, one picture now. Yeah, this was the, the party, the, the uh, hoopla that we had here with the masjid celebrating the first anniversary of the al Qaeda's, who are the Syrian refugee families that we're associated with and sponsoring um, with, along with the Right to Refuge organization. And so we had this lovely packed out house of, of Christians and, and, and Muslims uh, fellowshipping across food, which is such an unusual thing, I think, to see two different faith groupings uh, come together across a meal. And again, um, this, what this symbolized to, to grassroots is this love of uh, not just being open to people who aren't like us or don't believe the same things that we do, but uh, recognizing that these are vulnerable people uh, in, in our community, and uh, we will do everything we can as Christ calls us to shelter vulnerable people. And so this is, uh, was a lovely fellowship time, and I hope there's more things like this in the future. And then we had our music night, which was a lovely fundraiser here, which, um, you know, I, I think, I forget, maybe late April, early May this happened, and there was just a, a bunch of different acts, groups. This, this room was packed out with grassroots, people from the community celebrating, raising money, and uh, it was a great, great, lovely event of care and, and service and compassion. And then last week, uh, we had this uh, shared Father's Day picnic with the church that's who's our neighbors. And this lovely expression that says churches oftentimes don't get along or compete with one another. And, and yet we're neighbors, we're brothers and sisters in Christ, and we each have our own role in this town in, in sharing God's love. And so we thought, isn't it strange that we very, very seldom get together? So we got together over here and did a big potluck together. Here's a picture of folks uh, fellowshipping together. It was funny, the, the pastor, Jamie, uh, he, he's just newer than I am. He, I think a couple months, uh, he and I were sitting back there reflecting and chatting. We were joking with one another. And uh, I said, yeah, just, just so you know, we've been passing out tracks. <laughs> and he said, he said, it's okay, I've been passing around offering the offering plate, so <laughs> I said, we're good, we're good. Um, so anyway, this is this lovely kind of, yeah, it's awkward because, yeah, we're, we're different churches and we're kind of, are, are we competing, are we not? No, we're not competing, we're, we're celebrating and championing each other and what a, what a lovely expression of unity across uh, uh, what, what is not a very big boundary but can be a big boundary sometimes. So uh, I don't have uh, pictures for these next couple of things, but we had two documentaries screened here. One uh, about um, uh, the, the insidious nature of uh, sexual images that come at our young people. It's called Over 18. It was a, um, a documentary on the, the negative effects of pornography for young people. And then Screenagers was showed, which was uh, a kind of in, in a similar bent, but but not with the, the pornography element. It was talking about how kids can get addicted to their screens, their tablets, and the screen time that they have. And, and both of these coming together, again, with our love of sheltering vulnerable people and saying the young people among us are vulnerable, and so how can we bring them up and, and, and care for them and protect them in ways that are, are powerful? And then we had an international day of prayer here. There was a, a group of people that came and prayed uh, 
for the for the the world and for the, the uh, ministries around us. And then we had a concert here. Uh, we hosted a concert with Lauren Mann. And my favorite moment of that concert was when she came out with her little. I don't know, I forget what it was, mandolin or something. And she got all the kids dancing and making this stomping noise around her. And all, just this beautiful uh, moment, an evening of, of music enjoying. And then all the kids and some adults stomping their feet around. It was great. Love to see that. I love that grassroots love to dance. That's something we have to enhance. Um, then... Uh, we had a work day here uh, that, that we were decorating for the church, but decorating for Christmas, but we we're also kind of tidying up a bit, and this whole new sort of lobby area was created with a sitting, sitting area, and uh, we brought the kids chucking up here, which I think helped a bit of uh, frustration that, you know, when they get tight quarters back there, chucking the kids in. So that was a, a lovely thing. So, and then the trash to treasures, uh, kind of a thing that popped up that happened that was great. Uh, and it ended up with, uh, I don't know if many people know this, but it ended up with kind of like a garage sale in the foyer of the church. And um, there was, uh, it was advertised in the community. People came in and yeah, everything was free. There's no, no price for everything. So it was fun to hear about people getting surprised with the fact that they were getting stuff for free. So trash to treasure. So these were kind of a bunch of one-off things that happened this year. That was, they were just lovely, lovely things that I, I can't, I'm so proud of us for, for investing in many of them and all of them. Um, so many things. Uh, so we had, uh, above and beyond that, we had two world cafes, which were the sense of, we're, we're master planning. We're kind of coming up with a new vision for the church that honors the old and is built upon the, 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 the foundations of Grassroots 1.0, and yet we're in a new phase. And so who are we? How do we talk about ourselves? And so we had two large group conversations. So this was the advertisement, and this was drawn by someone at the world cafe. I love that. And I love the fact there was, in the world cafe, there were so many rocket ships that were drawn like this. And I thought, yeah, we are explorers. There's something about grass feeders that are explorers here. So thank you for this piece of art. And I like this too. I have no idea what's going on there, but it's got to be good. Um, so yeah, next, the next picture, we had a second world cafe. And this was the best uh, 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 drawing of, of describing or showing Grassroots World Cafe there. So uh, those were lovely events. I think we have one picture of folks around tables chatting, chatting it up, uh, thinking, brainstorming, who are we as Grassroots? Who do we want to be? How can we talk about ourselves in a way that um, helps people realize what an inspirational movement of people this is? So uh, we had two of those sessions. And, um, you know, so... In the process of that, one of the things that um, we're still establishing and I'm figuring out how to talk about in the community is, is finances. And we, th- we went through a whole series in the fall of finances. Um, and uh, so I guess this is the first time I'm announcing this publicly. And if you have more questions about this, I'm, we can talk about this. But we've, we doubled our pledges this year. Uh, so we have, we have twice as much money as we had last year to operate upon, which is an amazing outpouring expression of, of, of love and appreciation. So... Yeah, this is well done, well done. Um, and, and because of that, we were able to begin investing in places uh, in, that we haven't been able to invest finances in before in ways. People have been giving uh, oftentimes way beyond their means to, to help make this place go. And so we were able to hire a, a children's minister this year for the 80-plus kids who roam around this place. So just a profound, amazing witness um, of your guys' engagement, devotion, and care for the kids. 
So that happened. And then a couple uh, other new things that were more programs that, that came up this year that happened kind of repetitively or things that we added in were these Discover Grassroots sessions. So we have these monthly now, and these are lunches for folks who are new, folks who, um, who want to know more about Grassroots, how to get plugged in. And for folks who maybe have been here for a while that uh, want to figure out how to get further plugged in as well. So that, that's what Discover Grassroots was. We have a community garden outside uh, that, that is planted now. There's a section of it growing up with peas and tomatoes and, also, and corn, all sorts of things out there. You'll see the lovely twine work is mine that I created a little uh, fence out there on Friday, the, the barrier um, for the deer who are getting hungry. And the, the, the deer have these little fawns now that are out there too, which they're hungry too. Uh, and so we had uh, open hours every Thursday where it was just a, more of a socializing time where we got together, talked about our, each other, got to hang out. This is a good representation of uh, some lunches that we get together and informal conversation. Uh, there's a connections team that, built, that was built up this year that uh, is, is asking the question in a greater way, how can we, how can we uh, help people who are new here find what they need and find their way around? And for folks who are, are lingering and wanting to know more about grassroots, how do we help them to get connected? Because it's amazing to me that we have every week one to ten new people coming in. I mean, if you're looking around, there's always new people, which is so lovely. And so some of them will uh, want to get connected. So there's a connections team. There's a newsletter that we started up this year to help, uh, you know, get people in touch um, with what's happening. There's uh, worship clinics that have been happening for those who have been wanting to jump in on the, the music side of things. Uh, we've, we've ramped up because, again, Grassroots wants to be a place that helps shelter vulnerable people. We've ramped up the Plan to Protect series, which is... Um, you know, internally, this is the way that we, that we train up the people who are going to be with uh, our young people. Uh, anyone under the age of 18 that are being ministered to uh, are going to, the, the adults are going to be, um, uh, they're, going to, they're going to be trained and, and, uh, and they're going to be vetted in a, in a beautiful way. And we've, we hosted one of these for a number of churches and organizations in town. And so this is just a thing that we are continuing to, to champion. Um, I didn't say it on here, I, I, I thought about it, I, and I wrote it down, on, I guess, in a previous draft, but one thing that I wanted to mention that I was part of this year, too, oh, that's why I didn't have it bolded. Um, one of the things that I was part of this year that I, that I uh, was a highlight, too, was joining in the, the prayer walk that we had a number of weeks ago for the indigenous youth that have, um, that have been found here in town. Um, and uh, the prayer walk, to me, was uh, a lovely uh, initial... Uh, experience for me to think about joining in the heartache of the indigenous community here and then having been part of a blanket exercise which had been uh, done over at the, the community, uh, the, the university, which uh, kind of illustrated in an experienced type of way the, um, the history of the indigenous and European peoples and their experiences together, the heartbreaking experiences together. And so, um, that, yeah, that was a highlight of my year, too, and I didn't want to forget to mention that because that was um, really profound for me. So basically, when, when you add this all up, that slideshow is done. When you add this all up, uh, you get so much life happening. And we'll, just, we'll leave this slide up for a bit here. So much life happening, so much beautiful, messy, heartbreaking, muddled life where more than anything, we need one another. We need one another to get through it. We need one another to get through life where, there, where 
can be very unfair and can be very painful and where there are powerful systems in the world and powerful people out there whose choices and decisions affect our everyday lives. We need to hold and care for one another through suffering to a degree. And we've done that. I've seen that. Holding and caring for one another through suffering that is unimaginable and that in a community way that you can't find really anywhere else outside of faith community. It just doesn't happen. I mean, talk to, talk to people, and sometimes their coworkers step in, and sometimes families work, but oftentimes they don't. But here we have a faith family, a grouping of people who hold and care for each other through the worst of times. And, and in the midst of that, even though uh, what should really bring us to our knees in kind of our inability to keep on going, somehow in the midst of this community, there's a group of people who still say, we still want to do something for the world. We still want to make a difference. We need to keep going. And um, we were compelled to do something to help alleviate the hard hardness of the world. And so uh, basically, I think through all these things, and I'm thinking, you know, this is, this is a lot to bear and a lot to think about. But we have a leader in this community. We have Jesus, Jesus who we believe is alive and well on the, on the throne uh, in the throne room of God at his right hand, praying for us, leading us on. And his own example in his life shows us that what we're doing here isn't just a beautiful community, but it's a group of people who are helping to remake the world. And so uh, Jesus' own example um, in his life brings us forward and, and calls us on out of what may sometimes uh, be to us too much to bear, calls us into his image, into his presence, so that we can help remake the world. And this is a beautiful picture here. This is a scene of Jesus' baptism and his cousin John holding his head, baptizing him under, under the waters, and God's, God's presence coming to him in the form of a dove. And this has become a foundational experience for Jesus that I want to explore just a little bit more this morning as I think through all of what I've just shared. So when, when we open the Gospel of Luke, uh, we, we begin, here, let's keep on the picture there for a minute. We, we begin with the, with the Gospel of Luke uh, in chapter 3, and the way that Luke begins this is beginning to talk about Jesus' cousin John having his ministry in the, the reign of a Roman Emperor Tiberius. So you get, this, you get this beginning section, and if you read on, you read about various things. And if you keep on reading, when you, when you learn to read the scriptures, you, you learn to read them, and they're composed in little units. And the, the units say something in, in, in the fact that they're a unit. Uh, and so as, as you read on, you keep on reading, and you get to John's teachings, and then Jesus' baptism, and then you get to Jesus' lineage all the way back to Adam, the Son of God, to Jesus. And then you get Jesus going out to the desert for for 40 days, not eating anything, fasting, not eating, uh, uh, and uh, having this wrestling experience with the devil. And then finally, the, the final experience of that leads up to Jesus standing on a, the temple, the Jerusalem temple, a place where he's overlooking a ravine, a deep ravine where, Jesus, where, where the Satan is saying, just jump, I dare you. I dare you to jump. If you're God's son, he'll catch you. Uh, and Jesus looking back at, at the devil saying, you should not test the Lord your God. And uh, so here we have uh, John the Baptist, who's the son of Zechariah, who's a priest. Uh, 
and you end up on the temple. And if, you, if you're reading in terms of these units, you realize that the temple is a really important teaching uh, theme here with the Holy Spirit coming down upon Jesus right in the middle in the dove. So what this is about, this is a story uh, about God's presence, God's undeniable presence in the midst of a very difficult journey. And so here we, we begin with we, the, the first uh, the first couple of verses here. We begin Luke 3, 3, 1 through 2. In the 15th year of the reign of Emperor Tiberius, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, and Herod was ruler of Galilee, and his brother Philip ruler of the region of Iturea and Trachonitis, and Lysanias ruler of Abilene, during the high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. Go ahead and keep it on that for a bit there, Brad. Um, yeah, so here we are. We're, we're, we're in the rule of powerful people and priests. The high priesthood of Annas and Caiaphas. Priests trying to play the game of, of bowing down to powerful people. And you have another priest. You have the son of Zechariah, John, coming in the wilderness. And the word of God comes to him. So... Um, as this, as this moves on, you have, have him uh, standing on the, the big uh, overlook of the temple. So we're moving on here. Then the devil took him to Jerusalem and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He will command his angels concerning you to protect you. And on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered him and said, Do not put the Lord your God to a test. The test, and right in the middle with Jesus being baptized. Now, when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heaven was opened, and the Holy Spirit descended upon him in bodily form like a dove, and a voice came from heaven You are my son, my beloved, with whom I am well pleased. When we get baptized as Christians, when we join the people of God, uh, when I was baptized, um, there's, there is this profound sense that when you're coming into God's presence, he's going to overshadow us. He, he calls us his beloved. He becomes uh, our father who protects us and uh, keeps us safe. And this is, this is the covering that we get. And yet if you read Jesus' story, you recognize that, that that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. That doesn't mean that it's going to be comfortable. It means that there's powerful forces at work in this world, powerful people, powerful uh, people, people who have, I don't know, uh, priests who, who may seem to have be practicing religion, but whose hearts are far from God. You have a very confusing, conflicting religious experience going on. And, and on the other side of it, you have this, this profound journey of desert-like suffering that Jesus goes through. And in the midst of this, this beautiful covering that God has over him. And we find that, we find that, uh, that in our own life, in our own journeys in our own experiences as Christians. It's going to be similar. There's going to be um, part of this is going to be part of our story as well. And so we, we begin to think about redemptive suffering. And I think to me, uh, our community has had to wrestle with this in a profound way over the last year. What is redemptive suffering? What does that mean? What does that look like? How do we do that in the, in the image of Jesus? And redemptive suffering is saying this, that any time that Christians suffer, any time that we come face to face with great evils in the world, whether people do it or whether there are profound 
just uh, accidents. Anytime that, that Christians experience this, we have a lens through which we see this. And it's not easy. It's very difficult. And it feels like in, in uh, very sad, uh, profound suffering. It is very sad and profound. But it is to say that God is doing something in the world. And that we, we can't understand always how, how it works out. But we know that it's never a loss. Anytime that suffering happens, it's always along with Jesus' suffering. It's never a loss. And the worse the suffering, the more profound the work of, 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 of God. And uh, we won't always understand it until the very end. But it is to say that if we come across profound, deep suffering, then in an unseen way, God is combating evil in a deep and profound way. Suffering is always redemptive in Christ. And so uh, I think as a community, we've had to come face to face with this. What, what, is this what, is, what, what is the role of faith in all of this? What is the role of, of God who says he'll protect us, and yet sometimes it seems like he doesn't? Um, this, is, this is the theology of redemptive suffering. And we, we can't keep going. If, if we didn't have Jesus showing us the way of moving from being a beloved and moving into the desert to be tempted by the devil, we, 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 won't be able to, we would never be able to make it through the, the difficult times that come because, um, because it just it makes no sense. There is no sense to be made of it other than the fact that God is doing something profound. And so I think, as I think through this last year, uh, this community has wrestled with the Father's blessing in the midst of profound suffering. And um, yeah, it's been, it's been gut-wrenching. It's been horrible. It's been unimaginable. And, and there is no meaning, ultimately, that one can attach to it. Uh, and yet, as Christians, we find our way into it and through it with the power of, of, of a God who says to his son, you are my son with whom I am well-pleased. And yet, right after that, moving straight into the desert. And so, uh, you know, we think of what Jesus came through. He came through a 40-day experience of the desert, being profoundly tempted by the devil. And on the other side of it, it says this. It says, um, Jesus, so we have, Jesus, filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, returned to Galilee. And a report about him spread throughout all the surrounding country. He began to teach in their synagogues and was praised by everyone. And as he came through this horrible desert experience, he had the power of the Holy Spirit to do something. And the report spread. There was something about him that was, that was profoundly strong and profoundly able to enter into the suffering of the world and to create something new out of this. And then his first sermon after this experience, is once he came through this, his first sermon was this. He came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. He went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day as was his custom and as he stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him, he unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me. I've gone through this horrible, gut-wrenching experience. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And it's out of his suffering, out of his profound, gut-wrenching suffering, comes this deep calling to shelter vulnerable people, to preach good news to the poor, to help people who are oppressed to go free, and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And this becomes our journey as well as we follow him. And so as we look ahead, you know, I think we've been through a lot, 
And I don't think, I think that we'll be limping, honestly, for a while. I don't, I don't think that, um, that we, we go through what we've gone through without having a profound sense that we'll be limping for a while. We, we, we can't, we'll never, at this point, be able to take the pace that we would without having gone through what we've gone through. Um, and yet, we look ahead and we think to ourselves, what is, what is the calling that comes out of it? What is the calling that this community has to do something profound and great in the world? And so we think of these three things. I believe these three things going forward describe well what this community is about. Restoring faith, shaping bright disciples, and sheltering the vulnerable. So we'll talk through, talk through each of these in a moment, but uh, these things are the things that come up out of a community who has always loved to think through the question, how do we create an experience for people who perhaps haven't liked church or been disaffected by church? How do we, how do, we do that? Um, and uh, we want to be a people here that when people come into the doors, or into the community, their faith, and perhaps it's a slow journey, but their faith gets restored. Their faith in God gets restored. Um, we want to be people who shape bright disciples, who are shaping people who are inspirational to those that they live around, people who are, have thought through what they, they, they believe. The, the word bright does some work there. The word bright is, uh, means like inspirational, but it also means kind of learned. Uh, we, we, we think through the things we believe. We don't just go mindlessly through our faith. We, we don't check our brains at the door, so to speak. Uh, and we want to, again, over and over, I think this is the strongest one. We want to shelter vulnerable people. And you think through some of what John was teaching. You know, I, I mentioned that, that this whole section of Scripture starts with, with John and ends with the temple and this, this, this journey in between that's illustrative of our journey. And then you have John and, and some teachings in, in the midst of that. And so th this is his teaching here. I'll read it out loud. John said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, you brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Should I start out like that every time I, I preach? Um, bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able from these stones to raise up children of Abraham. And, and this is John saying, there may be people who are practicing religion, but their heart is far from God. And he's calling those people to the heart of God. Uh, you're not just, you're not just people, the people of God because you have an ancestor or a parent or a grandparent who was. But come on your own. Come to the heart of God on your own. Uh, for even now the axe is lying at the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds asked him, what then should we do? And this is the question that everyone who feels convicted and everyone who wants to be part of God's movement needs to ask, what is it that we should do? And then John goes into this amazing teaching. In reply, he says to them, whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came. It's like even tax collectors came. This is like even unimaginable. Even tax collectors came to be baptized. And they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? And he said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, Soldiers, this is actually going beyond tax collectors. Soldiers, Roman soldiers asked John the Baptist, What should we do? And he said to them, Don't extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation and be satisfied with your wages. And if I think through those three things, um, Shaping bright disciples, sheltering the vulnerable, and restoring faith. I see it in here. And let me break it down for you really quickly. So we have a picture here next of Jesus being baptized. Baptism. Baptism is a call 
a call to have faith restored. Those who have been far from God, those who have not known him and want to know him, those who feel an undeniable drawing into the presence of the creator of the universe, uh, come and be baptized. Come and be baptized into this journey, which is not ever easy, but always, always redemptive. Um, this, this baptismal journey. And I think about uh, restoring faith. You know, there are so many people that I encounter and so many people around us. Uh, we were just asking the question as we were driving to church today, I wonder how many people in Thunder Bay are going to church today? And you, you wonder, you know, you ask the question, who are the people out there that, that need God desperately? But we want to be a place that restores faith. And that is to say, there are a lot of people who have walked away from the church, walked away from faith, walked away from belief in God, altogether, and, um, and if part of the reason is because they're not, they were never allowed to ask the hard questions. They were never allowed to question uh, their pastor. They were never allowed to question uh, the things that were so obvious, but yet so very difficult. And so uh, Grassroots has been and will continue to be a place where, the, where people are, 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 it's a safe place to ask hard questions. People can deconstruct in their faith here and not be not really sure where they're at and have a safe place to journey through that. And we want to be a community that helps people do that, helps them restore their faith in, in the process. And that may be, take a long time for some people, and that's okay. But then, I, but then you think of these next two things, shaping bright disciples and sheltering the vulnerable. And these two things are always dependent upon one another, right? So people who are inspirational disciples will be naturally sheltering vulnerable people. And when vulnerable people are sheltered, they'll have a chance to become bright disciples. And so what does John say? Two coats, share with anyone who has none, and whoever has food, likewise. Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation, and be satisfied with your wages. So what is this? This is bright, this is bright discipleship. This is being free from material attachment, trusting God for your provision, giving your, giving your excess things over to people who need them. Uh, if you have two coats, I mean, let's take this literally. If you have two coats, give the other one away. If you have extra food, give it away. Uh, the, the early church was able to provide every need in the community that they found, and they were able to do so in as much as they were willing to share, share radically with each other. And this begins here with John the Baptist. Trust in God for our provision. And don't intimidate people for money or spin your narratives against people as a way that it might be, say that again, and be satisfied with our wages. See, these things are about bright discipleship, trusting God, uh, being satisfied with our wages, with what he's giving us, not intimidating people. And all of that will end up sheltering vulnerable people, people who don't have food, don't have clothing, and uh, are the people groups who are sort of uh, bullied among us. So these three things are, are right at the heart of the gospel, right at the heart of, of John. And in the, in, in, in the midst of all of this, I asked him a question, what, what's in store for us as a church? Well, I'll ask us to sort of stay tuned. I'm kind of putting the finishing touches on uh, the set of initiatives for next year, what our ministry is going to be. Stay tuned. I'll, I'll be sharing that as time goes on over the summer. Um, but as we, as we go forward, the, the, the heart of the community, our heart of the community needs to continue to grow stronger and get strengthened. And um, that's what we're going to do in the next phase. We've got to know each other. You've got to know me a little bit. Uh, I've, I've learned so much about Grassroots Church. And in the next phase here, uh, we could sort of, sort of launch out with these three things and do spin our wheels, 
uh, and, and try to make some progress. I always say that you can do far less in one year than you think you can. But you can do far more in five years than you could ever imagine in community. So this, this is the mindset we have. Next year is going to be a year to get used to each other even more. Well, we're not going to try to go out and, and do everything that we will be able to do in five years. And especially because we have some serious healing and hard questions to ask together. And our pace, if, if, this is a, if the journey turns into a, a journey about us traveling together on a, on a pathway, we're just now beginning the, the next phase of grassroots life. And it's going to be a slow pace for a while as we, um, as we get used to uh, strengthening our hearts, as we get used to uh, doing ministry together in the next phase. So my invitation to all of us is to get plugged in, get invested, get engaged as you see uh, ministries rolling out for next year. But realize we're going to do this in a gentle way, and we're going to be gentle with each other, because one of the things that, um, that is coming to my mind is that this area, this region of the world, knows hostility, there are, there are hostilities here, I've found, that I haven't found elsewhere. And the funny way I like to say this is, grassroots should be a place where formerly hostile peoples come to an unusual understanding of one another. That means that people who ride their bikes for a living and people who drive Ford F-150s for a living will come into, this, into these seats and will find harmony. <laughs> That's just a symbolic way to say that um, there are lots of hostilities in this place, and this community has a really powerful chance to lead in undoing hostilities around us. And, uh, and so uh, we start with each other, right? And uh, well, I'm happy to announce that the hostility level in this church is, is quite, quite low. There's not much of it that goes around, as you see in some churches. But we have to learn to undo hostility amongst us. Where, do, where are we hostile to one another? Where do we have the propensity to be hostile to different personality types? We learn here to be selflessly loving towards one another. And so we, we begin that process. And it will be a gentle process as we undo the hostility with the love of Jesus. Now, I, I, I need to take a moment here. I have to take a moment to say that there were volunteers that made this year possible. People who... I see many of you right now, and there are people who aren't here that I'm thinking of too, that sacrificed their time and energies and skills this last year to volunteer, to make Sunday mornings happen, to put out the, uh, the food and the, and the drink in the morning, to make the food and clean up for extra meetings and activities, to teaching our young people uh, the heart of God, to uh, roaming the hallways to make sure they're safe, to checking children in. We have people who have volunteered here in making so many things happen. And if you have volunteered this year at Grass Street, I'm just taking a moment to share my warmest appreciation and thanks for all that, that you've done this year to, um, to make Grassroots happen. Uh, it's, it's a beautiful thing. So as, as we go forward here, uh, in the year to come. I'm looking forward to taking things lightly and gently. I'm looking forward to strengthening the heart of the community. I'm looking forward to asking the questions, what exactly does this community do to restore faith, to shape bright disciples, and to shelter vulnerable people? There's, there's, there's enough amazing, amazing people in this room that if we put our minds together, uh, in five years, I think we'll, we'll look and go, I can't believe we did that. That's unbelievable. Um, and I'm excited to do that with so many other good uh, churches and, and organizations working 
in the same directions in town. So uh, there's so much goodness ahead, so many good things to look forward to. Um, and God will continue to, to guide us and shelter us and to teach us what it is to be his disciples well. Uh, starting next week, I'm, I'm going to be, or in two weeks' time, um, I'm going to be beginning uh, just a summer, short summer series on the church. What is the church? How do we do church? That, so we can get us ready for, for sort of the next, next uh, six months or so. Uh, it'll be a good series. It'll be a series on asking the question. I think I'm beginning to define church as like church abroad as that thing which God uses to recreate the world. And so what is our, our, our church? We are one small local expression of helping God change the world. So we're going to explore that uh, over the summer. I'm excited about all of that. So stay tuned, and, um, and thank you. This is... Um, this is, th- and thanks, if, if you're new here, thanks for sitting through this family, kind of family meeting together. Um, it's, uh, it's a lovely thing. We'll get back to business next week. Uh, but in the meantime, we have a family meal. Uh, you know, when, when Jesus did this and when the early church did this, they, um, they, they had like a full-on buffet. This was the, the Lord's meal that they had every week. And, and we, we used to pass around offering baskets, but when the earliest Christians did it, they, they brought all of the food that they, it was like a, we, if you brought food for a potluck during that time of the services when you brought your food up and displayed it out. You know, we've moved sort of beyond that and since we don't have a, a full-on meal. Um, and yet here we have some bread and some juice, which um, brings us uh, close to the heart of God because as he, as he teaches us, as, he's, as he teaches us to come with him and come along with him on this journey in community and caring for one another, he shows us that doing so means to wash each other's feet and to care for one another in, in profound ways. And so in, in, in resonance with Jesus' last meal, he tells us to do it as we meet every time as well. So uh, I don't know what's on your heart today. I'm not sure what this all has stirred up in you. Um, I'm grateful that we've had a chance to do this together. Uh, perhaps, perhaps it's a sense of, wow, like I, I want to, I've been that person who's been practicing religion, but my heart has been far from God. I want, I want to, like the people that came out to be baptized by John, I want to come into his presence. And this is a great symbolic way for you to pray to God as you dip and as you eat. God, I want to, I want to be someone who experiences you for my own. Uh, you may be a type of person that says, I've been out in the desert for 40 days and longer, and it's, it's been awful. Uh, this is a chance for you to come and, and perhaps pray a prayer, Father, provide for me. Take me out of this season of, of suffering. Or perhaps um, you're someone in your life right now that's been experiencing the blessing of baptism, uh, which is to say you're, you're feeling close to the sense that you are God's son and daughter. Wherever you are today, the invitation is for you to come forward and take part, uh, embracing him and, and being embraced by him. So the table has been set, and every person here is welcome.